This episode is brought to you by Catan. This summer looks a bit different than most summers. We're staying at home for the most part, and we're finding ourselves looking for new activities to enjoy at home. Catan is a board game for three to four players, ages 10 and up, although younger kids can play with adult guidance. It is a great way to keep families engaged in off screens, even if it's just for a little while. And those opportunities are hard to come by. And it's really easy to pick up. Get Catan at CatanShop.com slash mom. Listeners of our podcast get 10% off the original base game Catan by using the promo code mom at checkout. Offer not good on other Catan titles or merchandise. Xfinity XFi is more than just fast. It's internet that gives you peace of mind security. Because if it's connected, it's protected. Yeah, even your robot vacuum. Can your internet do that? Learn more at Xfinity.com slash XFi. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Welcome to Stuff Mom Never Told You from HowStuffWorks.com. Welcome to the podcast. This is Molly. And I'm Kristen. Kristen, it's only February, but I think I've got our Halloween costumes for next year in the bag. Excellent. Especially if we're going to go to the same party. I've got the perfect duo costume. What do I need to start looking for? Pirate clothing. Um, Molly, you know I don't want to do some kind of saucy pirate wench. No, we're not going to be saucy pirate wenches. And we're going to take all those other pirate costumes out there up a notch into historical territory (laughs) because we are going to be the famed pirates, the famed female pirates of the golden age of piracy, Anne Bonnie and Mary Reed. Why do I feel like this is a Liz Lemon costume? (laughs) Because sometimes I can't help the Liz Lemon coming out of here (laughs) because it's spurts and spurts. Because it's just that good. Um, but no, we, that was our topic of research, uh, this week. And I mean, if we're going to represent, you know, womanhood, past, present, and future, Kristen, we gotta, we gotta represent these pirate ladies. We gotta dress up as cross-dressing pirate ladies from the golden age of piracy? Precisely. All right. So let's explain who these women are so that next Halloween, everyone's ready for us. So yes. no matter what party we go to, when we walk in, people are like, oh my gosh, there's Dan Bonnie and Mary Reed. Oh, so, hip, hip. So many, so many fun facts I know about them. Um, it should be said that when we started talking about researching female pirates, you know, we kind of thought maybe there'd be a big list of them. Yeah. But when you kind of get down into it, these are the two that, you know, just keep coming up in searches. Yeah, I mean, everything is Anne Bonnie, Mary Reed, Anne Bonnie, Mary Reed. I mean, can we get it? Surely they weren't the only gals who hopped on pirate ships. That makes me think that maybe our our Halloween costume should actually be the two female pirates that weren't Anne Bonnie and Mary Reed. Oh. Ooh, taking it to the next good. level. It's getting good. All right, before we get that far, let's talk about the stories of Anne Bonnie and Mary Reed, because they're pretty... Pretty awesome ladies, I think. And they happen to stay on the same pirate ship. What a coincidence. Hmm? Which one scholar says maybe the only reason we know about them is because uh, on this pirate ship, if there were two of them, it became safe to reveal their identity. That maybe it wouldn't have been if it had just been one of them. Maybe they were, you know, just the ones that got famous because the other pirates on their ship were tried. Um, you know, there's, there's some, there's some question of how the two most famous women pirates ended up on the same ship. But so they did on the ship. Of Calico Jack Rackham. Calico Jack. We need a we need a guy to play Calico Jack. Chuck, we can get, we can Chuck, get Chuck from Chuck stuff. And, you should know he'll yes. be Calico Jack. All right. 
So much of what we know about these women comes from a book that was published in 1724 and 1728 called A General History of the Pirates, written by one Captain Charles Johnson. And some people think that Captain Charles Johnson, fun fact, was Daniel Defoe, Mm -hmm. writer of Maul Flanders, because the stories of Anne Bonny Mary kind of echo some of the character descriptions that you find in that book. But he kind of lays out their lives, and both Mary and Anne uh, were Ill- illegitimate children. Yep. Um, which one do you want to talk about first, Kristen? Should we do Mary or Anne? Why don't we start out with Anne Bonny, who was the illegitimate child of her wealthy lawyer father and a maid in the house. And scandal erupts once the wife figures out what's going on, and the father, the maid, and little baby Anne flee to the Carolinas. Mm-hmm. And sometimes Anne was disguised as a child of the relative rather than the child of this man and mm-hmm. this and this maid because the father, as you said, was very wealthy. Now, that becomes key because as Anne gets older, she turns her back on all this wealth and privilege because she falls in love with a sailor. James Bonney. The downfall of every young girl to fall in love with a sailor. Mm-hmm. And uh, so she follows him and begins cross-dressing uh, in men's clothing so that she can be on ships with him. But eventually he kind of proves a dud. And so she leaves him to become Calico Jack Rackham's fellow pirate and lover. Lover. Now, right around that same time when she's getting on the ship and getting cozy with Calico Jack she meets another lady in disguise whose name is Mary Reed. And Mary Reed has a much different story. Instead of, uh, in contrast, I should say, to Anne Bonny's fall from wealth, Mary Reed grew up the illegitimate daughter of a prostitute. And often her mother would dress her as a boy, I guess just because it would be easier back Back oh, in the day? No, something far saucier, Kristen. Uh, her husband had died, and she had had a baby by him who was a boy. So in order to get the husband's family to pay out the money for the baby, she said, oh, here's that boy I had. Ah. And it was little little Mary dressed up as a boy. And according to some legend, Mary didn't figure this out until she was pretty old. <laughs> she was not a boy. Um, yeah, because she cross-dressed for pretty much the entire time she grew up. Yeah, and she went off to join the Navy as a man, um, and she was, she fell in love with a soldier, and that's like, I think the first time that she revealed to someone that she was a female. Mm-hmm. And a scholar named Joanna Pastel, when she's recounting this, Mary Reed has to do a lot of like big reveals, apparently, that yeah. she's a woman. And apparently the way that Mary Reed would always reveal her womanhood was just to, to rip open her shirt and say, here are my breasts. I am a woman. Um, and you just got to imagine that happening on a pirate ship. And it's kind of funny. That was never in any of the Johnny Depp movies I saw. Yeah. Um, so anyway, when, when she's not revealing her breasts dramatically, she is a soldier. She is fighting. And um, one time she falls in love with this guy. And the guy manages to pick a fight with someone. And they're going to fight a duel. And Mary realizes, oh, God, this this guy is not going to handle himself in a duel. So she goes off and picks a fight with the same guy and arranges for her duel to take place two hours earlier. Mm -hmm. She goes off to her duel, kills their enemy, and that way saves the guy's life. But not before burying her breasts to demonstrate before she kills him that he had just been beaten by a woman. Yeah, she was like, look at this, sucker. (laughs) (laughs) Which I guess maybe gave him a nice final moment. So anyway, then after all this this drama, she ends up on Caligo Jack's ship. And there's a little bit of a rumor that maybe Anne 
fell in love with Old Mary. Yeah, there are some lesbian undertones in certain retellings of the story. Solved, of course. And the, the theory is that Anne didn't know that Mary was a woman, so therefore Aunt Mary revealed herself as Mary wanted to do. <laughs> Guess what she did, folks? Pulled up her top and revealed her breasts. Which, which led Anne to do the same thing, and that's how it became known on this ship that there were two women aboard. Now... As you as you can guess, I mean, as common knowledge, pirate ships are sort of like a floating man cave. Right. I mean, it's it's a very testosterone heavy situation. And by all accounts, uh, Mary and Anne were right in there with them doing all the, the heavy grunt work that they thought ladies of the time would be unable to do. They got to go aboard ships that they conquered, which was a very big honor for mm-hmm. any pirate. Mm-hmm. And it was accorded to these women. So uh, the scholar I mentioned, Joanna Pastel writes about how these women really did kind of live outside of the normative female roles to become pirates, but then they managed to sort of take them back again by, you know, managing to maintain harmony on the ship, even when it was exposed that they were women. Yeah, because pirate ships often had very strict rules of no women aboard. And that's not just for people sailing on the ship, but also for people they capture, um, pirates trying to bring lovers onto the ship. A lot of times it was pretty much outlawed, even though we often associate piracy with raping and pillaging. Right. They thought, you know, it was in their bylaws that you could not, especially on this ship, that you could not have women on there because it would destroy the peace. Mm-hmm. Men's ships were these fraternities is a word that keeps coming up that, you know, they lived by these codes that were ones that they had set rather than the strict rules that their, you know, awful captain had set. And for someone to break these rules was really, you know, punishable by death. So the fact that these women were exposed and managed to survive, despite the fact that it was no girls allowed club, uh, pretty, pretty interesting. And Bonnie and Reed ended up outlasting all of the other sailors on Calico Jack's ship because at one point, of course, the ship is captured because like we mentioned, this is going on during the golden age of piracy, which is from 1713 to 1730. And a little fun historical fact, uh, the English really started going after these pirate ships at the behest of slave traders because they were the ones who were getting who were bearing the brunt of all the pirate ships. The pirate ships would, would come and find them and then ransack all their stuff and screw up their, um, their slave trade. So the slave traders were uh, basically lobbying the English parliament to go out and get these pirates. So this happens. And at one point, Calico Jack, Jack's ship is overtaken. All the sailors are drunk though, <laughs> and they can't come out and defend their pirate ship except for Bonnie and Reed. Apparently, they're the only ones who aren't wasted. And so they yell down to their their fellow pirates and say, come up, you cowards, and fight like men. And, and doesn't one of them shoot one of the one of their fellow pirates because he's just being such a I think doofus? so. Yeah. I mean, they're just really having to take matters into their own hands. But unfortunately, they get captured. They get captured. So they go to trial and the trial becomes kind of a big deal because the country wants to make an example of these pirates. So the pirates are going up one by one, including Calico Jack, and they're all being sentenced to death. And so then it comes up for old Mary Reed and Anne Bonny. And they say, by what by what word should you not be executed? And they replied, my Lord, we plead our bellies. And so then they just like, this would be key to the Halloween costume, Kristen, by the way. Then they just, you know, they show like, oh, we're pregnant. Look. 
show off, show off their baby bumps. I feel like at this point, Mary Reed probably would have ripped her shirt <laughs> open, but probably not in a courtroom. But that seems like something she would do. Um, but anyway, so they're like, yeah, we're pregnant. And, um, but lo and behold, yeah. they were. <laughs> yeah, we're pregnant. Lo and behold, they were. There's no, I guess Calico Jack maybe fathered one of them. There's really no evidence as to who these, which pirates were the lucky fathers. Um, but so they, their, their execution was postponed. And I think my favorite factoid is that Anne Bonnie got to see Calico Jack one last time. Yes, it's good. And, um, the only thing she said to him, it was not like some tearful goodbye. It was like, you know, we wouldn't be in this situation if you were a better pirate. Well, may I quote Molly? Of course. I hope you will. <laughs> Had you fought like a man, you needn't have been hanged like a dog. Ooh. I mean, that's a burn. Ooh, a burn, Calico Jack. And especially hearing that from a woman at the time. That's why I think these these ladies become so iconic is that they sort of, you know, outlasted the guys. And but at the same time, they were able to reclaim some femaleness by by being pregnant at the very climactic moment. I mean, and constantly bearing their breasts. Yeah. But you have to wonder, like, if they if that ship hadn't been caught and they had brought these pregnancies to term, would they have been like these pirate moms like on mm. the ships? Like you don't get any indication that their bellies would have slowed them down. Right. They were just really a, a very convenient excuse. Now, here's one thing we got to talk about with this whole lady pirate history is, of course, Anne Bonnie and Mary Reed are the two most prominent figures that we hear about. We also hear about Grace O'Malley, who was an Irish landowner who had a fleet of ships. She wasn't technically a pirate, but she's often lumped in with, you know, women on the seas around this time. We have Hannah Snell, who fought with the English army by cross-dressing and some other characters. But over and over and over again, when we're looking into this history of piracy, it's very Anglo-centric. Mm-hmm. In fact, I think the only one that we were able to come across that wasn't, you know, from this golden age of piracy that wasn't, you know, an English lady yeah. was um, a pirate from China named Chang So, who married a pirate captain named Chang. And when he passed away, she kind of uh, worked her magic to become the most powerful pirate of the South China Sea. Yeah, according to an article from CNN, uh, she controlled a fleet of more than 1,500 ships and upwards of 80,000 sailors. And she was reputedly more strict than her husband was. It was like once he died, she really tightened the reins, probably because she was a woman in control of 80,000 men and had to kind of prove herself. Mm -hmm. And so the code of conduct she wrote for her men included beheading as payment for uh, disobedience and deserters might lose their ears. Pretty hardcore. But what about female prisoners? So Molly, this was kind of, this was kind of interesting. She, she would return ugly women to shore free of charge Whereas attractive women captains were auctioned off to the crew. <laughs> she was a picky one. She was, she had some weird, uh, carrots and sticks in her operation. And pirates are, aren't non-existent these days. Of course, when we hear about piracy on the seas, it's often related to Somalia. But when it comes to women and pirates in the situation with Somalia, we don't have, there, there aren't the Anne Bonnies and Mary Reeds. They come up, right, Molly? Uh, no, and you know, I really don't know if history could handle another Mary Reed walking around <laughs> flashing everybody. 
So this, we found this article about uh, the Somali pirate situation by Shakiria Dini, who writes about how Somali pirates have affected the women of that area. Um, on the one hand, the pirates do sometimes bring money into the region mm-hmm. that the women desperately need to care for their families. Um, in some respects, they're a really marriageable prospect because they do have money. It's a very wealthy. poor area. Yeah. yeah. Um, but on the other hand, uh, Dini makes the point that if we bring these women into the conversations about uh, piracy that they're not at the table for right now, that might be the way to end the piracy. And that's something we've talked about before, Kristen, on the podcast about bringing women in the developing world to the table so that they can talk about these issues that affect them because Dini believes that because these men have wives, that that's an influence that the world, you know, at large is not utilizing to stop the piracy. Mm-hmm. So um, it was a really interesting article about how, you know, on one hand, the piracy can benefit the Somali women. On the other hand, you know, a lot of men get killed and those men are husbands and fathers and they, that leaves the women impoverished. So it was just a, an interesting reminder that uh, in this pirate situation, it does help to remember the women. Yeah, because for piracy today, it certainly doesn't seem like there are many women actually involved in, um, you know, on the ships, involved in the hand-to-hand combat and things like that and holding mm-hmm. people ransom, but they're still having to deal with the repercussions of it. So maybe land. working with them rather than the men might, yeah. might help things. Exactly. So if there are any tidbits about women in piracy, prominent female pirates, we have failed to mention. I know we talked a lot about Bonnie and Reed, but because it was Halloween research, Halloween research in February, you can't ever call us underprepared. So send us an email, momstuff at howstuffworks.com. And I've got an email here from Tori who writes, I'm a 25 year old postmenopausal female. And so this is about the podcast on hot flashes. And Tori gives us a little bit of the background as to why she went through menopause. But what I really want to share is how she dealt with hot flashes. She writes, I usually had strong feelings of claustrophobic like panic before a hot flash. I'd be sitting in 17th century French lit fighting strong urges to flee the room when suddenly I'd be distracted by an overwhelming and very embarrassing wave of heat. My favorite trick was to look for something metal, such as a bar on the side of my desk, and place the inside of my wrist against it. Usually metal in an air-conditioned space is fairly cool and the inside of the wrist is very sensitive. I love this because it's a lot more discreet than an ice pack or desperate removal of clothing. So thank you, Tori. I've got an email here in response to our podcast on dreams. And this is from Christine who writes, I'm a male to female transsexual who started hormone replacement therapy a little over a year ago. With Within six months on testosterone blockers and estrogen, I noticed a few significant changes in my dreams. For one, I now remember a lot more of them. Before I remembered maybe a couple of months, and now I recall details from dreams several nights a week. Now, whether this is simply because I'm remembering more of them or not, I've also had an increase in the number of nightmares. These range from the mundane, such as getting yelled at by my boss, to outlandish, like defending myself during an alien invasion. I've never been prone to dreaming about money, violence, or sex, but I can add that my dreams have become more structured. Where before my dream would change settings or problems frequently, now they tend to play out. But again, that might just be because my memory of them has improved. Either way, very interesting interesting. observation. So, again, if you'd like to email us, our address is momstuff at howstuffworks.com. You should also follow us. I say should. 
I, we would like you to. How about that? We'd like you to follow us on Twitter at MomStuffPodcast. And you can also like us on Facebook, leave a comment there, interact with other listeners. And finally, you can read our blog during the week. It's Stuff Mom Never Told You at HowStuffWorks.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. To learn more about the podcast, click on the podcast icon in the upper right corner of our homepage. The HowStuffWorks iPhone app has arrived. Download it today on iTunes. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? What if I told you that UFOs, haunted houses, and even inexplicable magic tricks are all caused by the same creature? And what if I told you these powerful and ancient beings are meant to be feared? The Hidden Jinn, a new podcast from iHeartRadio and Aaron Mankey's Grim and Mild, explores the legends of these ancient and terrifying creatures. Join me, Rabia Chaudhary, as we step into the world of the Hidden Jinn. Listen to the Hidden Jinn on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Dear Young Rockers Season 2 is a raw, honest, strange, and entertaining story about finding yourself in your early 20s and a lifelong relationship with music. It's hosted by me, Chelsea Erson, and is executive produced by Jake Brennan of Disgraceland. Dear Young Rocker comes to you from Double Elvis Productions and iHeartRadio. Listen to Dear Young Rocker on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.